0: Hello, everybody, welcome back. My name is Yale. I am one of your co-hosts, joined today by-
1: Another co-host named Alyssa, that's me, in case,
0: yeah. That's you.
1: They got it, I think.
0: (laughs) Welcome to our book club, where we hope to learn more about each other through our creator, God. Amen. Amen. (laughs) If you're just joining us, we are still covering Mere Christianity, and today we're going to finish the first book of three in this series. Uh, the whole book, Mere Christianity, is made up of three smaller books. In summary, C.S. Lewis has proved that morality is, therefore we have choice or free will. We enact laws based on The invisible force of morality and free will and so three rules of thought emerge from this the materialist view the religious view and the emergent evolution view all of them are fine and dandy but none of them get to the real point which is what is the purpose c.s lewis argues and we agree that the religious view gets closer because it's really trying to answer these questions. Whereas the materialist view and the emergent evolution view aren't answering those questions. They're more scientifically going, matter is, and this is how matter works. But explaining how matter works doesn't explain why it works. Mm-hmm. And that's what religion is trying to get, trying to pick apart. And that's what we're trying to investigate by reading this book. Yeah. Yeah. So without further ado, I'll stop talking and let C.S. Lewis <laughs> take over in my voice. Wait,
1: hold on a second. The icebreaker question.
0: How could I forget?
1: How could you forget? Oh my goodness. Tell me, what is your biggest fear?
0: Oh, really on the spot here.
1: <laughs> yeah, I know. This is a we're getting a little bit darker.
0: <sighs> yeah. Yeah, seriously. The first... I know.
1: Well, this chapter gets darker, so I yeah. thought it was fitting.
0: The first thing that came to my head is pretty dark, so I should probably say it. Oh geez. Yeah. Okay. Loneliness. Aww. I know. What a simp. That's... <laughs> <laughs> yeah. You're not a simp. Oh my gosh. Or like so... home invasion.
1: That see that's mine. Yeah.
0: yeah. This is why we need a. We need guns. Yeah. <laughs> that's another. another
1: that's podcast a whole other topic controversial another topic. Yeah. Yeah. Hey, anyway. <laughs>
0: Really, that's a very rational fear.
1: Yeah, yeah. Ever since I saw what was it, the first Purge, that's Oof. been my biggest fear.
0: Yeah. Isn't that first Purge movie take place in one location? Yeah. It's like it's one home in a house. Yeah. 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 Can you? That's that series has gone on so long. Yeah. From a dumb little horror movie. Yeah. Way to go, whoever created that. So happy for them. Yeah. Anyways. Anyway. We've gone through chapters one through four. Now it's time for chapter five. Chapter 5 titled We have cause to be uneasy.
1: Oh, yeah, see what I mean about it being dark? <laughs>
0: <laughs> Your icebreaker was so on theme. Mhm. Good job.
1: that's what I, that's what I go for. Yeah. Yeah.
0: <laughs> so, CS Lewis starts the chapter. I ended my last chapter with the idea that in the moral law somebody or something from beyond the material universe was actually getting at us, and I expect when I reached that point some of you felt a certain annoyance.
1: So tell us were you annoyed
0: <laughs> I was not annoyed because i'm I'm a believer yeah and i'm I've thought about consciousness a lot and how spooky it is yeah so no I was really I enjoyed it I yeah. was relieved by his argumentation and how thoughtful it was yeah how about you
1: yeah, me too. I mean, I I wasn't annoyed because like I love the stuff, but I could see how someone could see it as annoying. And I think he addresses like why it could be annoying, you know, for people who might not understand why it's annoying. And then it's like, oh, and then it gives you a better understanding of like what other people are thinking. So I thought that was cool.
0: Yeah. Yeah. I was relieved because it made me feel annoyed at myself. It made <laughs> me feel like, wow, I sounded like a real, real ding dong last week. <laughs>
1: Yeah, no, every week I'm like, wow, what I said last week doesn't make as much sense.
0: <laughs> yeah, we're not as scholarly as old CS here.
1: Yeah, no. Oh, yeah, our disclaimer, um, we're not scholars, we're not professionals. You know the drill by now, probably, if you've been listening for a hot minute, so we're having a good time.
0: I think it's good to go over that disclaimer every time. Yeah. Yeah, we're not We're not professionals. Yeah. We have no business doing this other than fun. Yeah. And education. Yeah. For ourselves. Hopefully, others.
1: Yeah. Because the Holy Spirit can use anybody. Mm hmm. Whether they're educated or not. So.
0: Love that. All right. C.S. <clears throat> Lewis goes on later. We all want progress, but progress means getting nearer to the place where you want to be. And if you have taken a wrong turning, then to go forward does not get you any nearer. If you are on the wrong road, progress means doing an about turn and walking back to the right road. And in that case, the man who turns back soonest. Is the most progressive man. We have all seen this when doing arithmetic. When I have started a sum the wrong way, the sooner I admit this and go back and start over again, the faster I shall get on. There's nothing progressive about being pigheaded and refusing to admit a mistake. So he's saying progress requires reflection and correction. Mm-hmm. And I love um, this idea of looking backwards, specifically toward religion, uh, which in this modern era, since the Industrial Revolution, uh, we've really sort of turned our backs on, as a culture in the West, we've thought of it kind of as an afterthought, and we've just put technology and science at the forefront. But as we sort of broke down at the beginning, before we got into this chapter, what his other chapters were describing, science gets us only so far; it doesn't actually give us purpose.
1: Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah. This this section reminded me a lot of repentance, very popular Christian term in Greeks. It means to turn. I really liked how he talked about like turning around and looking back and then moving forward and making progress. Cause there's this church in Oklahoma. It's called Transformation Church. Shout out to T C. TC's awesome. TC TC <laughs> Um But they're like I don't know if this is like their motto or their like kind of thing that they say all the time is um we're a, we're not a perfect people. We're a progressing people and that kind of made me think though for a second because i was like wait a minute there's a verse that jesus says i forgot where it is but it says um therefore be perfect because i am perfect and i was like hmm but jesus knows that we can't be perfect so i think he's referring to like progressing in that way he's just like trying to do your best just like keep moving forward
0: yeah he's giving us a goal yeah he is the goal yeah but when you go to sermons I think people get this wrong a lot from the outside of Christianity looking in they're like all oh, these people think they're like perfect think they're like J star over there. Yeah. But when you're in it like the reality is that in the church you uh, acknowledge that you're not yeah. Jesus that you're you're nowhere near him because and it's become so much more clear when you try to be how hard how impossible it is um until it's not. Yeah. Until you you finish your mission and you go on to heaven. And this life is over. But in life, it really isn't, it's not a cakewalk. Mm -hmm. And the Christian philosophy isn't admitting that there's true good and true evil. And being truly good is so much harder than being truly evil. And uh, it's just a constant, a constant battle that you're fighting every day. Yeah.
1: Yeah. Yeah. I just wanted the part where he said, there's nothing progressive about being pigheaded and refusing to admit a mistake. I, I wrote me next to that because that just reminded me of me. Sometimes I swear. I'm like, I don't want to mess anything up. Like I'm so like, I don't want to mess up. I got to do everything. Right. But then I'm like, but then like, I just like that reminder that you can't progress that way. So mm-hmm. I think that's a good for all of my perfectionists out there that are like me. Um, Messing up is good. Cause then you get to progress and you get to be better later. So.
0: Yeah. Yeah. I love that. C.S. Lewis continues. We have not yet got as far as the God of any actual religion, still less the God of that particular religion called Christianity. We have only got as far as a somebody or something behind the moral law. (laughs) Moving on. (laughs) Cool. (laughs) We have two bits of evidence about the somebody. One is the universe he has made. If we use that as our only clue, then I think we should have to conclude that he was a great artist, for the universe is a very beautiful place. But also... That he is quite merciless and no friend to man, for the universe is a very dangerous and terrifying place. The other bit of evidence is that moral law, which he has put into our minds, is inside information. You find out more about God from the moral law than from the universe in general, just as you find out more about a man by listening to his conversation than by looking at a house he has built. I love that because before, I mean, attributing a somebody to the structures behind the universe I may mean, it is so powerful, and it's because of morals. It's not just consciousness. Many things have consciousness. We're discovering plants even have consciousness. Mm-hmm. I was listening to a podcast today. <laughs>
1: Another
0: one always listening to podcasts, wow, and this man was saying that they've done experiments in which plants are shown to react differently depending on their environments and what's happening to their to the to them around their environments to other plants near them, even the example he used is that there's like a row of trees that are being closely monitored, you know using scientific instruments. And on one tree, they filled it with caterpillars because they eat leaves. So this other, this tree's getting eaten up by caterpillars. The trees next to it, their sensors pick up that those trees next door to the one getting eaten change their molecular structure of their leaves to make it more bitter. So if they become a target of this caterpillar swarm, they will not taste good and the caterpillars will go away. There was another thing too, um... That, well, he didn't mention this one. I actually saw this on a documentary on Netflix called Fantastic Fungi. It's a great (laughs) documentary. It's all about mycelium um, and how that works to connect all plant matter with each other. It's almost like the worldwide web of plants. and It's uh, fungus living underground, not like mushrooms, but mycelium, which is like the precursor to fungus because fungus is how mycelium breeds. Mycelium are like these little root systems that run from plant to plant to plant. And trees can use this to identify their offspring. So if a tree has a seedling fall and sprout next to it, and that starts to grow, if it's related to that tree and there's my- and the mycelium connection is strong enough in that area, the tree will start moving its branches and shifting in such a way to give the seed, the sapling growing underneath it, more room so that it can grow. Yeah, that's crazy. I may have butchered that explanation. Fantastical I... fungi or fantastic fungi on Netflix is such a cool documentary about plants that's and really consciousness cool. that might be dormant inside plants. Anyways,
1: that's really crazy. Yeah, that's so cool, though.
0: So to say that this there's this we'll call consciousness behind everything in the known universe. Doesn't go far enough because where do morals come from? Morals means this consciousness is not only driving creatures, but it's also deciding something. Yeah. Yeah.
1: That's really cool. I like that you use plants for that. Um, What was that part we were talking about with C.S. Lewis? Oh, yeah. How he was talking about how to learn more about or wait. Oh, you find out more about a man by listening to his conversation and by looking at the house he's built. Yeah. So essentially what you were talking about, you find out more about a creator by looking at the creature. Yeah. Yeah. That reminds me of um, Frankenstein, the novel Frankenstein. I read it like forever ago but frankenstein's monster right i I don't even know if the guy is named frankenstein in the book i honestly don't remember is it
0: dr frankenstein is he
1: actually dr frankenstein it's
0: his monster that.
1: i don't know if he just named it is named frankenstein
0: his monster is the monster yeah the doctor is frankenstein the monster
1: okay yeah okay got it see this is how much i don't remember but i remember this i remember (laughs) that the Frankenstein created this monster and it's like ugly right and he's like made up a bunch of like sewn bits and stuff and then this dude because I remember me and my friends used to complain about how terrible Dr. Frankenstein is because he made this monster and then just abandons it because it's ugly and because like he doesn't like it anymore it's like you made this thing and you just like straight up abandoned it like that's so terrible but
0: He made this thing without thinking of the consequences of it. Yeah. It's such a perfect allegory for science.
1: Yeah. But I like how his creature reflects the creator because the creator, I don't remember his story exactly, but I remember him having feelings of like loneliness and abandonment and how like he feels like, I don't know, misunderstood or not put together right or something. And that's exactly what his monster is. So I remember there being that connection of like the his creature reflecting the creator. And we talked about that a lot in- in class, but yeah.
0: Yeah. <laughs> so I love that a conscious creator creates beings with consciousness. Yeah. That the conscious universe creates evolutionary timetables that breeds these carriers of its consciousness. Yeah. 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 It's beautiful.
1: Yes. Yeah. I'm sorry, can I just go back for one second mm-hmm. and talk about something that I love? Um see C- C.S. Lewis, he says, when we, we back up, this is a few lines back. He says, um one is the u- wait, yeah, one is the universe he has made. If we use that as our only clue, then I think we should have to conclude that he was a great artist. The Bible calls God a potter and calls us the clay. I think. That's so cool. And like he's how he like literally brings up the creator being an artist and then the Bible calls God an artist. I really love that. Yeah. Yeah. That's it. You can keep going now.
0: (laughs) (laughs) C.S. Lewis writes The moral law does not give us any grounds for thinking that God is good in the sense of being indulgent or soft or sympathetic. There's nothing indulgent about the moral law, it is as hard as nails. It tells you to do the straight thing, and it does not seem to care how painful or dangerous or difficult it is to do. If God is like the moral law, then he is not soft. It is no use at this stage saying that what you mean by a good God is a God who can forgive. You are going too quickly. My footnote here was just that proof of God's goodness is not in the inherent nature of our world. It's in the gospel. It's in the Old Testament and the gospel. The Old Testament, through his promises, uh, the way he dedicated people like Abraham to and Noah to take these le- huge leaps of faith that ended up saving nations and saving whole generations. Uh, and then later with kings, just like the faithfulness that he showed throughout history for his people, um, In the gospel, in the New Testament, the faithfulness he showed by fulfilling his promise and adding an even greater covenant for for everybody to join on top of that that we've been so lucky to live in in this generation. Yeah. He writes, Only a person can forgive, and we have not yet got as far as a personal God, only as far as a power behind the moral law, and more like a mind than it is like anything else. But it may still be very unlike a person. So he's not diving into the idea of the tri- uh, Trinity just yet, but I wrote, you know, because Christianity bestows to us a personal God through the Trinity mm-hmm. by saying that God is the Holy Spirit, the Son, and the Father. These three entities all sort of enmeshed in each other. And their story, we get to see and read and learn about and experience every day. Um, I think it's like more than anything, it's a beautiful interpretation of the true nature of our universe and our reality on Earth. But he hasn't gotten to proving it yet. I'm so yeah. excited for that part.
1: Yeah, it's gonna be so good. Oh, just the, we'll, we'll talk about what the title of book two is at the end. Yeah. I, I'm i already so excited just by the title of the second book but yeah I I love that our our God is a personal God mm. and I remember in one of my classes something I was reading was talking about how like yes of course like the reason why Jesus was sent to earth as like a human person was to die for our sins and be resurrected so that we would be saved um and I say that that's not to be taken lightly, even though I'm saying it very like, oh yeah, this is what happened. No. Like when you think about it, it's actually insane. Um But it was also talking about like there were other reasons Jesus was, Jesus was sent down to and it reminded me it was talking about um how God sent down like a human form of himself to make him personable. Because you don't want to re- have a relationship with someone who's impersonal right like like that's just not how it works like if there's somebody in your life you keep reaching out to keep reaching out to and they never do it's like okay you just end up pushing them where saying i'll forget about it you know so i think it's really cool that like god did that for us so that we wouldn't just be like oh you know i can't really get to him or uh, you know it makes him so much more personable
0: mm-hmm. yeah yeah giving a clear character to his nature makes it so much easier for us to understand him yeah c.s lewis writes for the trouble is that one part of you is on his side and really agrees with his disapproval of human greed and trickery and exploitation he writes now about god and the concept of a moral god and how complicated that is for us You may want him to make an exception in your own case, to let you off this one time, but you know at bottom that unless the power behind the world really and unalterably detests that sort of behavior, then he cannot be good. On the other hand, we know that if there does exist an absolute goodness, it must hate most of what we do. That is the terrible fix we are in. If the universe is not governed by an absolute goodness, then all our efforts are in the long run hopeless. But if it is then we are making ourselves enemies to that goodness every day and are not in the least likely to do any better tomorrow, and so our case is hopeless again. We cannot do without it, and we cannot do with it. God is the only comfort. He is also the supreme terror, the thing we most need and the thing we most want to hide from. Some people talk as if meeting the gaze of absolute goodness would be fun. They need to think again. They are still only playing with religion. So he's just saying there that the idea of a God based simply on the observations of the universe and of our world experience and our consciousness is a terrifying, unknowable God who is both good and evil because he created both, is the judge of both, and in that gives us really no clear barometer of how to live or act because say we do good things, that's great. But we've done terrible things too. We've done we've done bad things. And how are we to know which is which in each and every circumstance? Mm-hmm. It leads us in a very tricky predicament religiously. Because it's just, it's a God that you're kind of blind to. You're really worshiping the universe. And the universe is a chaotic good and a chaotic evil balance. Mm-hmm. It's just hard to really structure anything around because of its chaotic nature yeah so i think what he's saying
1: yeah and i love how this part even though it's not really getting into religion at all already reflects jesus and it just reminds me like he says i am the way the truth and the life like this is true everything you think about or like talk about in this way like comes back to jesus like he literally says um wait yeah god is The only comfort he is also the supreme material. he's the thing we need the most and the thing we want to hide from um after adam and eve ate the fruit they literally hid from him (laughs) like even though you can't really i mean you can't hide from god at all i like how that's still our first reaction today is just to hide and it's like you want it but you don't because it's scary and like what if he actually like doesn't like what if he actually heals me and then i can't hide behind my hurt anymore that reminds me of John five with the, the man by the paralyzed pool and Jesus, he, okay. I'll just, I'll make this really quick. Um, Jesus goes back to Jerusalem with a few of his disciples and they go to the pool at Bethsaida, I think is what it's called in Jerusalem. And that's where all the crippled and the lame and the, um, they call it the disabled are just kind of lying around this pool because, um, I forget the, like, the science part of it, but there's, like, something underground that runs underneath the pool that makes, like, the spring, like, pop up and bubble. And in the Bible, it says the water is stirred. And they believe that the first person to enter the water when it was stirred was healed because they thought um, the angels were stirring it or something like that. So, yeah, so Jesus goes there and he goes to this man who's been there. I don't think the man's name is in the Bible, but he goes to this man who's been there for almost 40 years and um, he goes and I just imagine he probably like kneels down next to him and he asks, do you want to be well? And the man doesn't say yes or no. He just says, sir, I've been sitting by this pool and, and no one will help me and I can't get in. I'm never the first one in. I've been here for so long and whatever. And... Jesus just says you know pick up your mat and go and he does and I get you know of course you imagine he's overjoyed but then later Jesus finds him again after like the crowd disperses and he says now stop sinning and then the man goes straight to the Pharisees and said hey this dude he healed me on the Sabbath like this is unlawful this is, this, this is that so It's so interesting to think about he wanted the healing physically, but clearly not spiritually because he still went and tattled on him. (laughs) So I don't really know how I got to talking about this, but it's a really it's a really fascinating story. And I was just learning about it. But
0: yeah, I think there's like a habit in secular belief to want the cake without getting a slice. It's not. A saying.
1: <laughs> I think you're thinking of have your cake and eat it too. Yeah. They yeah. wanna have their cake and eat
0: it too. Yeah. <laughs> they wanna have their cake and eat it too. The religious philosophy is you need to withhold. Yeah. You need to withhold to uh be enlightened and to be to just live a healthier life inside and out. Yeah. 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 <laughs> All right. Would you like to?
1: Sure. Okay, so we're moving on to the third point now. Mm
0: -hmm.
1: Mm-hmm. He says, My reason was that Christianity simply does not make sense until you have faced the sort of facts I have been describing. It therefore has nothing, as far as I know, to say to people who do not know that they have done anything to repent of and who do not feel that they need any forgiveness.
0: Christianity is for sinners yeah because everybody on earth is sinful it's impossible not to be Mm -hmm. especially when you don't know about the truth in jesus
1: yeah and it's like we see this even in our lives all the time like you have to admit you have a problem before you can even start addressing the problem yeah like you see people i don't know people who have some sort of addiction or even like mental illness struggle or something and they say no i'm fine i'm fine and it's like no you're clearly not fine but they're not gonna let you help them until they can admit to themselves that they're not fine Mm -hmm. so yeah that's that's a lot what coming to christ is like in the beginning is like you have to admit to yourself like oh i'm not good yeah (laughs) like i'm actually really not good
0: (laughs) it's really a path of self-improvement yeah through god yeah um you know because teachers will tell you only he can heal yeah. and Only he can really set you straight, and it's true. Yeah. As the Trinity teaches us, we need to be a part of that too. We can't just blindly pray without faith. We have to have the faith to walk in Christ's words, not just to pray for them and speak to them, but we have to actually live them, and that's where our duty comes in. It's not just God who's going to magically and miraculously heal us. Yeah. Although he's capable of it. Yeah. He does it every day. Yeah. We need to be subservient to God. We need to be a people worthy of Christ's reflection. And Lord knows that's hard to do.
1: Yeah. I mean, we're not even worthy to begin with, right? You know. Yeah. That's why that's why Jesus.
0: That's why Jesus. That's why Jesus. That's why Jesus. <laughs> I'm going to read the next point I've underlined from CS here. Okay. They offer an explanation of how we got into our present state of both hating goodness and loving it on the Christian philosophy. They offer an explanation of how God can be this impersonal mind at the back of the moral law and yet also a person. They tell you how the demands of this law, which you and I cannot meet, have been met on our behalf, how God himself becomes a man to save man from the disapproval of God. All I am doing is to ask people to face the facts, to understand the questions which Christianity claims to answer, and they are very terrifying facts. I wish it was possible to say something more agreeable. He concludes the chapter with, In religion, as in war, and everything else, Comfort is the one thing you cannot get by looking for it. If you look for truth, you may find comfort in the end. If you look for comfort, you will not get either comfort or truth. Only soft soap and wishful thinking to begin with. And in the end, despair.
1: Yeah. I think that was my favorite part of the whole chapter. Because it really made me realize you can't get comfort yourself and like when you try it's always from obviously it's from everything external because you can't pull it out from within yourself like you have to try to find it somewhere else like it's different things for different people like it could be so literally anything you could try to make it your comfort like maybe you're like a scholar school person major league school person your comfort's in your grades maybe you're an alcoholic your comfort's in alcohol maybe you're an athlete your comfort's in your sport like it could be in anything and yet eventually that goes away the only thing like that you can pull your comfort from that's internal is the holy spirit like it says the spirit dwells within us so i think that's such a cool concept that like god will give you something internal to like take your comfort from Instead of having to pull it from everything outside of you,
0: yeah yeah i I love that I love that he's saying that Christian philosophy is really meant to give you a comfort a comfortable sense of who the true God really is, and I also love that the very nature of our reality is c s Lewis breaks it down as you break you can break it down with your own logical reasoning about the unobservable facts of human existence. Are so similar to quantum computing, and like, and more specifically, like quantum physics—the way something can be, but also simultaneously not be. Oh, how like a particle quark can be moving, can be observed moving while simultaneously being still. I don't understand how that works, (laughs) but science is finding these building blocks of matter and reality, and seeing parallels to religious philosophy to the nature of a God that is both omniscient and maleficent for justice, Mm -hmm. for the rightness of our universe. Mm -hmm. And the Christian um, narrative, if you will, gives us human characters along an immense human story to paint the most wonderful picture of who this true God is.
1: Mm. Yeah. I love that if you're looking for like advice for your life or like maybe for someone else's life and you're like, oh, like literally everything is in the Bible. Like if yeah. you're going through it, someone else already has and you can find it in there. That's one of those, the really cool things about the Bible. And that's one of the cool things is like the poor Old Testament, I feel like sometimes doesn't get read as much. And that's what's really cool about the Old Testament it is like, you can think of like people who went before you in their stories. Yeah, yeah.
0: And I don't think you can truly appreciate the New Testament and the Gospel without dipping into the Old Testament. Oh, for without sure. Without seeing like these, these. I mean, Jesus was was real. There, there's almost more historical accounts of this one man and his movement than there are anything else from that time. Mm-hmm. The Old Testament. These stories also have accounts all throughout history. The oldest copies of the Old Testament are 5,000 years old. Yeah. And they're obviously incomplete. Um, they don't have the full story. It's just incredible. Yeah. the 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 benevolence of God displayed through real history, real ancient history. Yeah. And what a privilege it is that we're able to engage with it for free, for free okay. dollars if you go into any church <laughs> yeah, uh, or synagogue.
1: Or download an Old app.
0: Testament. Yeah, or download an app. Yeah. Yeah. We're keeping this one short this week because we are at the end of the first book.
1: Uh-huh. What's the second book called, Yale?
0: The second book, which we are going to jump into next week. So glad you asked, Alyssa. Mm-hmm. It is book two, What Christians Believe. Oh. We're finally getting there. I'm so
1: excited.
0: We're finally getting to a Christian, not even God, a Christian belief system. Uh I'm looking forward to it. I can't wait to have my mind just exploded with knowledge and information as delivered by the insightful C.S. Lewis. Yes. Would you have anything you'd like to add or say before we depart?
1: We do have the verses before we depart. Yes,
0: we have the verses. How could I forget? How
1: could you forget? I'm pretty sure I gave you one. Okay, so, um, mm-hmm, yeah. Would you like to go first?
0: Yes. Luke 5, 8. When Simon Peter saw this, he fell at Jesus' knees and said, Go away from me, Lord. I am a sinful man. For he and all his companions were astonished at the catch of fish they had taken. And so were James and John, the sons of Zebedee, Simon's partners. Then Jesus said to Simon, Don't be afraid. From now on, you will fish for people.
1: Yeah. So, context, this is the part where um, Jesus calls his first disciples. And it's... um peter and his brother andrew and then james and john and they're all fishermen they're on the shore and they didn't catch any fish they were out on the lake all night and he says cast your nets on the other side of the boat and they're all just kind of like what like uh uh-huh, i guess okay we'll do whatever this weird preacher guy is telling us like uh, we just saw him preaching on the bank over there he looks like kind of hi- kind of like a hippie but whatever we'll listen to him so and they do and then um they come back with nets full of fish and then they're all like okay this guy's clearly somebody and um simon falls at his feet and says the the quote that he just read like um i forgot exactly what it was something like go away from me for i'm a sinful man um that's not exactly it something like that though And I'm suddenly forgetting how that um, connected back to our story and why I picked it. (laughs) It
0: connected back to the story because Simon, when he sees the Lord Jesus in front of him. Oh, yeah. (laughs) He's like, no, I'm not worthy. Yeah. Please. Because right after Jesus tells him to do that, they fish up a bunch of like a huge catch. Yeah. And that proves to them that this is the son of man. This is God. Yeah. And they're terrified Mm -hmm. they're absolutely terrified just as c.s lewis was saying when if you met a good god you would be terrified too oh yeah because of the moral law behind all of our hearts yeah but jesus being a loving god tells him don't be afraid but there's a caveat from now on you will fish for men
1: Mm yeah
0: yeah don't be afraid the caveat being you work for me now.
1: Yeah. <laughs> You're one of us now.
0: Bringing more people to the light, to the truth.
1: Yeah. Yeah. Awesome. Love it. Thank you for helping me out.
0: Thank you for finding these amazing verses.
1: Oh, yeah, always. Um mine is Matthew 9:12 and 13. And I'll give the context after, but it says on hearing this, Jesus said, it is not the healthy who need a doctor, but the sick, but go and learn what this means. I desire mercy, not sacrifice for I have come not to call the righteous, but sinners. So this is part of the calling of Matthew. And I didn't even realize that I picked like two sections of scripture that are like calling of the disciples, which is like, we're entering into the book two of like explaining Christianity, which is like kind of going out and you know making disciples
0: it fits so perfectly because these men were afraid when they were called yeah and i think we are i was pretty afraid
1: oh i was terrified
0: coming to come in christ and especially going to church the first time with a friend yeah because i i think it's because of the moral law yeah and because we were talking earlier about this sorry we were talking earlier about this view of christianity and how it's like this this uptight snooty religion where people look down on other people but it's it's so strange because that's like not at all what it is yeah that's totally opposite speaking from yeah Yeah. from perspective of being on that side that's how you feel yeah about it because you're going in judging yourself
1: yeah Ooh, that's good and what jesus
0: tells you to do is to stop judging yourself Mm -hmm. he has your back yeah he already died for you yeah So that you don't need to judge yourself any longer to prove that the God of love is true, is real, and cares for you Mm -hmm. and wants you to succeed and excel and be happy and purposeful.
1: Yeah. Yeah. In this verse, um, Matthew is a tax collector. Tax tax collectors were like major hated and like everywhere. Um, Today, that's even today yeah yes, still, a thing. <laughs> still a thing um and matthew he calls matthew straight out of the tax collector's booth and matthew just gets up and follows him and then that night matthew has jesus and like the disciples over at his house for dinner and the pharisees happen to be walking by and they stop by and they see this up-and-coming famous preacher eating with tax collectors and sinners and they're like excuse me who are you that you're eating with these people disgusting disgusting right and so that's when jesus says um it is not the healthy you need a doctor but the sick it reminded me of when c.s lewis says when you know you are sick you will listen to the doctor um in reference to like when you put yourself in on the wrong side with a higher power that's when christianity begins to talk so when you know you're sick like that and on the wrong side of another power you know you need a doctor and jesus is like hi i'm the doctor it just fully reminded me of that but um yeah that's
0: that's all and it goes back to the point of christianity being a religion for broken people
1: oh yeah because we're all broken
0: people exactly yeah Man, I think I'd call that a podcast right there, Alyssa. Uh,
1: yeah, you know, I think so. <laughs>
0: <laughs> Keeping it short this week. Thank you guys so much for listening. Yeah. Um, please rate, subscribe, and tell your friends. This yeah. has been the Christian Cookie Club. I am your co-host, Yale.
1: I am your co-host, Alyssa.
0: We will see you next week. Yep. Bye. Bye.